You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. A quick disclaimer, today's podcast episode is fairly sensitive, so if you listen to the podcast with your children, you might want to listen to this podcast episode by yourself first and then decide if you want to share it with your kids. I honestly think that it would be a fantastic episode to share with middle schoolers and older, but as a parent, I'll let you be the judge of that. Church family and interested friends and neighbors, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. If you've listened for the last couple of days, you know what we're doing. We're answering some of the bigger questions of our faith, the things that we're asked by the world out there, by our friends, by our neighbors. We just thought it'd be a great time to do this podcast series on basic apologetics while we're returning to our mission field of culture, while we're re-engaging classrooms from university settings to high school settings all over the Pine Belt and way beyond. So for the answers to these big questions, I've gone to the only place I knew that I could get them. I went to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary to my friend, Dr. Bob Stewart. Dr. Stewart, welcome back. Thank you. Okay, so Dr. Stewart, I have to confess that of all the questions that we're tackling, today is likely the question that is the most sensitive to most of our church family. So today's question is, as a believer, how should I engage and interact with my friends who are part of the LGBTQ community? So in our day and age, every one of us in our congregation have friends and family who we dearly love, who are part of the LGBTQ community in one form or fashion. And we have to wrestle with this question from larger culture, from our own conscience, and even from you know our friends and neighbors. So thank you for helping us find good answers. Yeah. This, this is a very sensitive question. And, and I think the simple answer is uh, Christians have themselves to blame for how we're perceived. Uh, that, uh, that Christians aren't perfect. Uh, that, that we do have Christians who are racist. We do have Christians who are bigot. We do, we do have Christians who do hate people. Uh, who are fearful of, of uh, lifestyles that, that they disagree with, that sort of thing. And so oftentimes Christians are Christians' worst enemies. Uh, but for the most part, again, this question assumes a false premise, that conservative Christians are intolerant, that Christians hate people who have same-sex attractions or people who are in same-sex relationships. When, for the most part, uh, conservative Christians actually love those people and want the best for them, but have done a poor job of communicating that, or the voices that, that are most often heard are the loudest and the most extreme on an issue. And one thing that it points out to us is that we have to be very careful with what we say and how we talk about things, particularly how we talk about sex, uh, because we are created as sexual beings. Sex was a good gift from God prior to the fall, male and female. Uh, and the first commandment God gives uh, to humanity is reproduce, uh, have relationships with one another. He makes the woman for the man, because the man is incomplete without uh, the woman. So sex is very important. It's highly honored in the Bible. 
and, uh, and it's an intimately personal and emotional issue. And so uh, we need to be very careful in talking about it. And almost none of us is careful enough. We're all going to make mistakes in our talk uh, if we talk about this. Uh, but that shouldn't frighten us away from talking about it. So let me, very close. So if we're going to be careful with our talk, we need to define our terms. And so I'm careful with the use of terms like homosexual orientation, that sort of thing, uh, because it's a term that can be too easily under, misunderstood uh, to, as, as maybe being essential to a person. The Bible says nothing about someone's orientation. Uh, men are men and women are women. Male is male, female is female. Uh, the Bible speaks to how we behave sexual behavior, not sexual orientation. But frequently, people in our culture are, are confused. And um, for instance, um, I'm a man. I'm a husband, a father, an American, son of a judge, allergic to dust mites. I'm a philosophy professor. I'm a theologian. I'm a golfer, a musician, a licorice lover, those sorts of things. Uh, none of those things defines me. And, uh, and I, th I think we've, our culture has mistakenly believe in, believed the lie that, that a person is primarily defined by his or her romantic attractions and sexual desires. Just as you are not simply what you do, I'm not simply a philosopher, I'm not simply a golfer, I'm not simply the son of a judge, that sort of thing. You are not simply what you feel. You're not simply your desires. And I think that's a major area mistake that our culture has made. But to believers, I want to give some advice how you interact with lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender uh, friends. Number one, don't overreact. Uh, don't freak out. You don't help anybody if you do. In fact, you only confirm the stereotype that the LGBT community has of Christians and thus reinforce their commitment to their lifestyle. So don't freak out. Now remember also that the while the Bible teaches that same-sex sexual activity is a sin, it also teaches that we should love our neighbors. Love your gay friend in appropriate ways. Also remember, sexual behavior does not define your relationship with anyone. You can have a relationship with LGBT people. Plenty of us have relationships with adulterers. Plenty of us have relationships with fornicators, that sort of thing. And, and we don't think nearly as seriously about that. Well, those are sexual sins, too. Okay, so uh, sexual behavior does not define your relationship with anyone. Uh, someone being a lesbian or a gay or a bisexual transgender person doesn't mean that we can't have a loving relationship with them. Choose your words carefully. God loves LGBT people. Okay, he hates their sin. Now, I don't recommend saying things like God loves a sinner but hates their sin. Because what they will hear, now I think that's true, okay, I've affirmed that, 
But when we say things like that, what is heard is you're saying that God hates me because the LGBT person identifies, they place their identity in their drives, in their attractions, or in their behavior because they wrongly think that how they feel and what they do is who they are. Okay, so uh, we, we need to be sensitive to how the message is going to be received and be very careful that we do everything we can to be rightfully understood. So that there's a real communication problem there. Um, but don't get paralyzed in talking. Uh, don't get so paranoid that you don't say anything for fear of being misunderstood. Any meaningful relationship that you will ever have in your life, there will be times when you are misunderstood. But it's still worth having meaningful relationships. So keep try to try to minimize it as much as possible. Another uh, bit of advice that I would give is don't feel the need to answer every question. Some questions aren't real questions. Some questions are based on faulty presuppositions. So uh, sometimes when people ask me these sorts of challenging questions, I don't answer that question uh, because it's based on a faulty presupposition. What I try to do is answer the question they should have asked. And that doesn't mean that I'm ignoring them, that I'm talking past them, but I'm trying to help them go deeper. I'm trying to get to the real issues and I'm trying really to help them. And so uh, we can see that. Show your love for LGBT people in demonstrable ways. We know that with the average person, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Uh, it's no different with, with, uh, with an LGBT person. Actions speak louder than words. Don't be afraid to share a meal with them. Don't be afraid to have them in your home. Don't be afraid to go to movies or concerts with them. Love them and be with them in appropriate ways, okay? Don't be afraid to invite them to your church, okay? Now, it made me want to work on your church. Uh, you know, how, how, do, how do we receive people? Uh, a lot of churches don't do a good job at receiving people the way Jesus would be receiving them, even no matter how many what would Jesus do armbands they have, uh, that sort of thing. Your love shouldn't be dependent upon their behavior. God's love for you is not dependent upon your behavior. Your love for others shouldn't be dependent upon their behavior. Uh, I would say this, take LGBT people at their word and go deeper. In college, I said things like, homosexuality is a choice. And uh, basically, I was saying, I hear you saying that you didn't choose these attractions. This is how they heard me. I hear you saying that you didn't choose these same-sex attractions, but you're lying. You're wrong. Uh, because there was this slippage in communication. Somebody said, I'm gay. I heard I have sex with people of my own gender. And maybe they did. Uh, I didn't choose to be gay. I heard 
I didn't choose to have sex. Well, I knew that I chose to have sex if I had sex, which I was a virgin when I was married, so I restrained myself. Um, but, um, but it was with great difficulty. I had urges. I had great drives toward the opposite sex. Uh, but what, what they may mean is I didn't choose my feelings. I didn't choose to feel attracted to men if they're a man or to a woman if they're a woman, that sort of thing. So the simple truth is we don't control our feelings. And I absolutely believe it when, when an LGDB, LGBT person says, um, I didn't choose to feel this way. I believe it. Absolutely. We don't control our feelings, but we do choose our behavior. And there's a difference between feeling attracted to the same one, to someone of the same sex, and acting on that attraction. And, and so uh, for this reason, the word gay or homosexual is very slippery. Um, <clears throat> understand this, Christians, you never achieve a biblical end by an unbiblical means. And, and so we need to be aware of our sins all the time uh, and, and understand that it's not the case that we're okay, that we're perfect people who've gotten it together and that they're messed up. We're all messed up. We're all broken people in some way. And uh, just some of us are broken in ways uh, that, that are more serious or that the consequences of which are more serious than others. Um, and re repentance, uh, it needs to be part of our daily lifestyle. If we don't come to them as broken, repentant people, uh, we're just failing uh, as believers. Uh, and understand this. Repentance is sometimes a process. That uh, uh, Repentance is a change of mind, biblically speaking. Behavior frequently takes longer. Uh, think about addicts. Think about people who've quit smoking. Almost nobody quits smoking the first time they resolve to quit smoking. Almost no alcoholic gets free and clear the first time he resolves to get free and clear. They have to hit rock bottom. And, and it's the same way with, the, with sexual behavior. They rarely get it right the first time they commit to living the right way. So struggling is not unusual. And, and frequently, my experience has been with LGBT people, is that they feel beaten down, that they feel hopeless. And, and we need to be people that give them hope, not judgment. We need to be people who say, I will love you regardless of your behavior. I will love you uh, regardless of your failure. And I will always love you. I will, but love is not telling them what they want to hear. It's doing what is truly in their best interest. Every parent understands that. You, you don't love your children by being their best friend, by, by making them happy, happy, happy all the time. You love your children. Show your children you love them and gain their trust by wanting what is truly best for them. 
And I think that's a big part of, of this issue is, is showing them that we love them regardless of their behavior and, and accepting that immediate transformation or radical LGBT lifestyles are not the only options and that there are a lot of people somewhere in the middle and that maybe behavior management, not delivery from desire, is the best that one can do at that point in time. And, and so <clears throat> I think that. We also have to understand, Christians have wrong ideas about the gay lifestyle. Being gay does not send you to hell. Because being straight doesn't send you to heaven. It's trusting Jesus. Now this is not to, not to say that the Bible doesn't teach uh, that homosexual behavior is a sin. It does in many places. Uh, it's not to say that we can be happy with people in, uh, living in an ongoing basis in a state of rebellion. No. Uh, the clear teaching of the Word of God is that we are to discipline and to, to hold one another to higher standards, but do so in love. So loving our gay and lesbian friends uh, without compromising is our goal. We don't compromise what God's Word says, but we always love. Does that make some sense? It makes good sense. I appreciate, I appreciate you uh, even helping us think about the false dichotomy you know, that, yeah. that we, we can preserve that biblically there are behaviors that are sinful and we can still seek to love the individual and not define them by one yeah. behavior. Let, let, me, let me point out one. This is, this is a huge issue. We can't deal with it in a podcast. But, but one thing that I frequently read online, I frequently hear it said <clears throat> that, that, that troubles, that it's difficult for evangelicals to answer, maybe to help your, your audience, um, <clears throat> is that something like, well, the Bible also condemns eating shrimp and wearing polyester and having piercings and tattoos. So why don't you condemn those people too? And, uh, and, the, and the truth is that it does. That, that's in uh, Leviticus 19. And uh, Leviticus 19 is part of a section of chapters that is what we call the Old Testament uh, Holy Code. And, um, and what's going on is that God is saying to Israel, I want you to be different from the pagan peoples that live around you. And so the pagan peoples that live around them eat shellfish. They, they wear uh, fabrics that are intermingled. Um, the, they have tattoos, that sort of things. Uh, it's not wrong to get a tattoo of the Trinity on your arm. It's not wrong for a, man, for a Marine to have his unit tattooed on his shoulder. That sort of, there, there's no sin in ink under the skin, that sort of thing. Uh, but in that particular historical context, it, it served a purpose. Now, now they will point out that uh, uh, chapter 18, where it talks about things like bestiality, where it talks about things like child sacrifice, where it talks about things like homosexual uh, acts, uh, is followed by chapter chapter 19. So, so how do we distinguish between what is just ceremonially wrong and what is morally wrong? 
okay? Well, if we can't distinguish between them, then, then we will have to say things like, um, well, why don't, why don't you put people who eat shrimp on the same level as people who sacrifice their children? Why don't you put people uh, who wear polyester on the same level as people who have sex with animals? Well, that nobody wants to say that sort of thing. But, but if we can't distinguish them, uh, then we can't distinguish them. We don't know that eating shrimp isn't as bad as bestiality, uh, that sort of thing. And, and so we, we really do. And one way that we can know it is it's like uh, what, what behaviors do we find grouped together? You know, if you go to Walmart you're, and, and you want antifreeze and underwear, you're not going to find them in the same section. The, the Hanes and the Fruit of the Loom are not going to be in the same section as the antifreeze. Antifreeze is going to be with the auto parts and auto department. And, and the underwear is going to be in men's or women's clothing. The shrimp, the tattoos, uh, the piercings, the polyester is in one section. And, and the homosexual behavior and the adultery and the child sacrifice and the bestialities in another. Just keep your sections separate and you can separate out the moral wrongs from the ceremonial wrongs. And I think that's a good, good rule to follow and I think that will help us sort of counteract that, that uh, question. Doc, this was a long podcast episode, so I appreciate you hanging in there with us. And I just want to sort of reiterate to the church family that while it was long, there were some basic things in there that I hope everybody extracted about personal identity, about loving your neighbor, and about not having to compromise what is morally right and wrong, but still being able to love your neighbor and watch God work in the life of people. Doc, thanks for your time. I really appreciate you tackling a sensitive subject.